everyone. This is Alicia from Call to Convert Reform. And, and in part one of Fish Out of Water, we talked a little bit about um, those who are not always very supportive of um, the story of ex-nuns who have left and, and the abuse they, that they have suffered. And uh, then we went into um, some of my own story, which I know will resonate with a lot of ex-nuns because they've gone through the same sort of thing. Um, so I, it's just to recap real quick, um, I was told the morning of February 9th that I was leaving. Um, within a few hours, um, my dad had come and picked me up and I left with very few items. So, um, I think I told you that I had my guitar, I had two skirts, two blouses, I had my luggage, I had my personal documents, and I was given $400 <laughs> that I was told I didn't have to pay back to the community. Um, and I mean, $400, $400, but when you're starting completely anew your whole life, it, in hindsight, it does seem a little, um, not, not, not like not a lot of money. Right. So, um, I ended up in, uh, what happened is I had that money. I, uh, it, I made it last for well over a month, um, which was a little difficult because I had to buy gas, my own food, my dad did take me shopping the night I came home, and so I was able to get clothes, which he paid for because I didn't have anything to wear. And of course, I didn't want to wear all my ex-postulant clothes because that was a little uh, weird. Um, so he did do that. Um, but it's really, for those who have been through it, it can be very difficult to get back on your feet after you have left the, the convent. And for some people, it takes longer than others. Uh, and, and, and that's just the process you have to go through. Um, and, and it's not a judgment on anyone, but um, some people take longer than others. And, and some of it can be out of their control. If, if you're dealing with a lot of um, emotional or psychological issues from what has happened to you, then of course that's going to take longer. And in my case, when I came home, I was severely depressed. So, I mean, severely, I, I can't even, I, I, I can't even put in a words how, how bad it was. And, um, I just felt like I was going through the motions every day and I didn't even want to do that, but I still felt compelled to kind of follow the, the timeline, the schedule of the day at the convent. So I was constantly cleaning, um, doing all this weird stuff when I really just needed a break, but I couldn't get it all out of my system. I, I felt like if I was sitting down watching something, or doing something leisurely, I, I, I felt because of all my years in the comment, I felt like I was being lazy, that I wasn't, you know, contributing enough 
you know, um, and in various ways. So um, it, it was very difficult because of that aspect to even take a break and to kind of just step back and, and relax. So, and then at the very beginning, I did follow a lot of the same prayer regimen that we had followed in the convent, which helped. And I, I think I really needed that at that point in my life. And excuse me, I, I was very blessed at the time because, uh, my sister was working at an assisted living facility. Um, and she was able to get me a job within three days of, uh, leaving the convent, which was incredible. Um, it wasn't a great job. I, I got it because I had a background in being an STNA. I'd taken STNA courses. I had worked at the nursing home that the sisters ran, so I had I had that background. Um, and they, I, I, I'm not an STNA. I never took took the test, but they didn't require um, a person to be an STNA. Um, so uh, I I got that job. I took it and. Um, I, I worked in that field for, for three months, which was, which was, it was good to have a job and have money and to be kind of getting off of my feet. But at the same time, it wasn't what I wanted to do at all. I, I really didn't like working there. It was, it was just not a very good environment overall. So, um, but, but that was, that was huge. Just having a job, having a paycheck and, um, because of how things go when you're first starting to work, it takes a while to get that first paycheck every once in a while. And so it took me about a month and, um, yeah, that $400 had a stretch that whole time. And it, 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 it was rough, but there's some rough moments there, but, um, I made it through. So, um, but landing, so landing a job wasn't that difficult landing a job that was just something to do in the meantime wasn't that difficult thank god um but family i mean i had left my family for five years i mentioned in the last episode that um my dad had pretty much cut off any communication with me and so there was this odd kind of tension at first i mean i think everyone one was glad i was home but it was almost like, you know, it was just different. Like just, you know, before leaving, I was able to kid around with my family and, and be more relaxed with them. And there wasn't much of that at first. And, um, it was different because I had been in this very restrictive environment for so long. Um, I remember, I remember it was like the first week I, I got out of the convent and had gone home and I thought about doing something. I can't remember what it was. And, um, I remember thinking like right away, like, oh, what will, what will the sister th- think if I do this? And that, I mean, that was how, uh, <laughs> that's just how I was eventually more or less trained to think because 
everything you did was watched in the convent, everything. And it dawned on me at that moment that I was in a place where people weren't going to judge me for some silly little act that I did. It might have been just as simple as taking a nap or something, because if you did anything um, and you got caught and the sisters ran off to the superior to talk to her about what you did, uh, you would pretty much get in trouble and um, they would might say things like you were disobedient or whatever. So, um, so that, so that was big, just, you know, getting back in the routine of, of, of having a job, driving, driving took a while to get used to because I was a driver in the community, but there were large spans of time that I didn't drive. And, uh, I, I would just be pretty much at the nursing home all day. Um, so it, it was almost kind of frightening because I, I was a really good driver because I, just because of what I, where I would drive, I would drive, uh, when I was in college, I, I had to drive through rush hour traffic to get to school on a very busy freeway where I live. And so I, I kind of learned how to defend for myself on the, on the freeway. And all of a sudden I'm back behind the wheel and I feel scared just to go down a normal street. You know, it, it, it took a while. So, um, there was just a lot of things that I had to get reacquainted with. And that, that can be very, very difficult for a lot of religious because it's like the title of this podcast. It, it, it feels like you're a fish out of water. It, it feels strange going into a convent because there's so many rules and, and traditions and you're learning all this stuff, but it's also when you get out, it, it's, it can be overwhelming because of how different it is. You're, you don't have people telling you all the time what to do. I remember being on a social media page just for ex-religious and one of the ex-religious saying that she had trouble making choices when she went out to eat because for years she had been told what to eat, when to eat, where to eat, that she had a terrible time just making a simple choice like that. I didn't really have that problem. I think to it some extent I did, but, um, some people have a really hard time with that. Just making a choice period. Um, I had to start my own banking account, which was strange because I didn't have any credit history. Um, and of course the bank's like, why haven't you had a banking account in so many years? Um, so (laughs) I had to kind of I'll pretty much explain my situation because when I went to get my banking account, the um, the lady I talked to at the bank, she was just like, "What? What's kind of going on here? You know, it, it looks odd to a bank that you just, you know, you're kind of not, you don't have any documentation for that long of a period, at least financially." Um. So. So I had to do that. I had to get a phone um, because everything is tied to cell phones now. 
And um, I did have a smartphone before I went to the convent. It was a much simpler smartphone than what I have now, but I still had a I still had a smartphone. And so I had it, I had to borrow some money from my brother so I could just buy a cell phone. So when I was you know, applying for other jobs, I had a number to give them so they could call me or to sign up for things because everything is so tied up into cell phones. You don't even realize it until you're out of that sphere of life where you don't have a cell phone and all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, I need a cell phone. So that was a big adjustment. There were, I remember using the debit card the first time that had kind of changed like where they want you to put it in and take it out right away. I wasn't used to that. Um, so sometimes I just felt, I, I felt like almost Amish or something. There's actually kind of a funny story. My, um, this is before I got a cell phone. Um, my brother had just gotten this really um, like expensive phone, right? Um and he was having trouble setting it up with the phone company. So he actually had to go to one of their physical locations to get this fixed. And I came along with him. And so I, I we go and he's talking to the lady at the desk. And she's working on his phone. And she just about got it. And she needs to send him or um, sorry, to make sure that the phone works, she needs someone to text him to make sure it is working now correctly. And so she turns to me and she says, uh, can, can you text him just to see if the, the, make sure the phone's working. And I had to look at her and say, um, I don't have a cell phone. Which <laughs> is um, really strange because everyone has a cell phone anymore for better or for worse, you know, they, they, they have their pros and cons, but it, it, that's the kind of stuff you have to deal with. It, it just, it seems weird sometimes to even say it because no, you know, everyone has, you know, cell phone car, you know, or they have a bank account, you know, all those simple things that you have to have just to manage life. Um, faith wise, I, I, I did, I did stick to the faith very strongly to begin with. Um, and because I had a second shift job, I was able to go to mass every day, which was a blessing. Cause I think at that time I really needed that. I don't, I don't have the ability to do that anymore. Cause I have to be at my work so early, but, um, but at that time I really needed that. And, uh, uh, when things started to become clear to me on what had happened and being outside of that environment, I was able to see the wrong that was done to me. I, I then started to doubt my faith a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I was looking at the McCarrick scandal and the McCarrick report that was supposed to be coming out um, allegedly at that time. And I was just so sick of, of the scandal and everything that was going on in the church. And I, I see, I really thought about leaving. I was just so sick of it. 
Um, and I talked to a old priest friend of mine um, who became pretty much a spiritual director. And I told him how I was feeling. And, and he was like, I, I know, I, I understand. But he said, you know, he said, I, I look at myself and I'm not, I'm not Catholic because of, you know, father XYZ over there or sister, you know, LMNOP over here. I'm a Catholic because of Jesus Christ. And I know that's where the truth lies. And that really hit me and it, it took me a while, but I eventually started to see the light and what he was saying. And, um, and it's true. We, you know, if you're going to stay in the church, it has to be because of Jesus, because if you're staying because of this priest or this nun, or if, if that's where your faith is hinged, you, you know, if, if, if they tumble, you're going to have a very hard time. So, um, so I would say the other thing that was, that was kind of difficult or at least a change, um, not so much difficult, but, um, with some of the technology aspects, which I already touched on, uh, just, just having my own email, I wasn't allowed to have my own email in the convent. <laughs> uh, and which is kind of, amazing because I know other religious and the same diocese I was in who at least allowed their sister's information to have at least an email address. Um, and we weren't even trusted with that. We had a communal, communal email address. Um, so everyone could see everyone's messages. Um, the superiors had their own email address. I did have my own email address for the diocese I was working for, but it was strictly for teaching um, and dealing with the school I was working at. We we weren't allowed to use it any for anything else, and we were told that specifically. So, um, so overall, it it I I, th I think I. I was a little mm, more stubborn um, about what had happened, especially when I started to realize the fault of the nuns um, who were over me. And I, I mean, I just, I just wanted to go as fast as I could. I remember that's, you know, I, I kind of pushed myself too much um, and I had to kind of <laughs> step back a few times um, but I, I just, I, I didn't want to stay in a rut and I, I was in a rut for, you know, a, for a, a few months, probably. Um, I mean, I, I did need therapy. Um, I, it took me a while to find a therapist. It would have been great if I could have found one earlier, but that didn't work out. Um, but, um, um, I, I guess it was like two or three months after I left, I found a, a therapist, uh, a really great one. And I was seeing her every week for a while because it was just that bad. I, I, um, I really needed that at that time. And, um, then it started to slow down to like 
every few weeks, once a month, you know, then every few months. So it did get better. And for, and for those who are maybe just fresh out of the convent, it it just sucks. And <laughs> sometimes you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's there. And, you know, it, 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 it can be crushing to your spirit because you've given everything up. And, you know, and it, it's hard because, you know, as humans, we want to compare. And so comparing to your, you know, your friends who are your age, who, you know, seem to have it all where, you know, they have, are married now and have a house and kids and, and you're starting from scratch. I, it, yeah, it, it's difficult, you know, and it's almost, it, you know, I, I've had moments where I'm like, God, why, you know, why are you doing this to me? Like, what, what did I do? And, and that's not what it's about. And, um, it took me a while to realize that, but, um, it, it can feel extremely overwhelming. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't think I've, I probably should say this a little more often, but despite the, the, despite all the issues that I've gone through in entering the convent and building my life back up, I, I know God has a reason for it. I don't understand why sometimes I really, I really wish I did um, because it's, it still impacts my life. Um, I still think about it. I, I do have a little bit of OCD. So those thoughts come back a lot and it's just like, Oh, just, I just leave me alone, you know? Um, but it, it has taken me a while to get my life um, where it, where it is now. And, and of course I want to go even farther. Um, but, and I've, I've done, I've done a lot. Thanks be to God. And, and the a little over two years I've been out. Um, but you know, it, it can be hard to, just to see, you know, you kind of contrast and it's, you know, but yeah, I, 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 I would say there was a reason God wanted me to be in the convent. I don't understand why. I probably won't until I'm dead, but um, hopefully in heaven. Um, but there was a reason he wanted it. And, um, you know, I think I, I did learn a lot um, about human nature, about myself. Um, about standing up for my own needs. Um, so I think I, I grew personally from that because I, uh, you know, um, I guess I can say I, I, I'm more uh, careful about having people say things about me or say things about what I'm doing that are negative and, and impacting me. You know, if you don't like what I'm doing, you know, that's, that's your problem. Um, but I know 10 years ago, if I had started this, some, a blog like this and someone had said, well, you know, that's crazy. Why would you do that? I would be much more affected by it than I am now. So I, I think those kinds of things are good because I, I can stand up for myself more 
and what I know is right, you know, after, after prayer, after, after discerning, um, and contemplating, and I, I didn't make call to convent reform, you know, in a rush. It, it took me about a year, if not more, to really consider what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. But I, I knew I had to get the word out because people are not talking about it. Even people who are in the church, who mean well, who really want vocations, they're not talking about what's happening in the convents. And one of our great writers who will remain anonymous even mentioned that you cannot pray for vocations until you fix the convents. And she's spot on because, I mean, it's just a, it's just a vicious cycle. You have women that are entering the convent and, you know, being affected by this type of behavior and leaving. And then, you know, you talk about this stuff in hushed tones. It's, it's you know, it's time to get rid of the hushed tones and, and to talk about this like adults. So anyway... So in that regard, I have grown. Um, I'm not as timid as I once was in regards to my own personal opinions and and that type of thing. So that that's good. So, you know, God has reason for everything, even if sometimes it sucks and we don't understand and, and we're confused and we're, you know, scratching our heads like, you know, why, why God did you allow this? There's a reason for it. You know, God, God can see things that we can't, and you know we're we're so limited to what we can see and understand, and you know, trust, right? Just trust, which is something I'm I'm learning myself. <laughs> so, um, thank you all for listening. I I hope um, this has been. Um, educational or informational or whatever has to be for you. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next time. God bless. Bye.